Welcome to Benefits. What, like it's hard? When was the last time you stopped to think about every benefit that was available to you and what information is needed in order to fully utilize those benefits? For most of us, the answer is probably never. Well, we are here to break down the truths and misconceptions of all things benefits and share stories from people like you. Join us on our journey to navigating your complete picture of physical and financial wellness. Hey everyone, we are going to be talking about the basics of investing today. And we have Matt Antonucci with us today. Um, so Matt, take it away. Well, I'm super pumped to be kicking off the kind of more of the investing side of the podcast. So thanks for having me. Um, about me, I'm, I'm a portfolio manager on the Haran Capital Advisors team. I've been with Haran for almost six years now. And my job as a portfolio manager is to develop and implement customized investment strategies and solutions for our clients while taking into account their entire financial picture. So we work closely with like our financial planner, Anna Failer, and um, just trying to understand everything about our clients and, and, and developing a cohesive investment strategy for everyone. So, um, yeah, I hold the Chartered Financial Analyst designation, which is kind of like the gold standard in the investment management industry. So it just means that I studied a lot and I took some tests <laughs> to hone in my investment skills for our clients. So, so you studied to know what you're doing, basically. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what are the basics of investing? There are like so many different directions you could go with basics of investing. We can cover a number of different things. Um, and it's, it's investing such a broad topic because like from the outside looking in, we were just talking before, we were like, like I don't really know a ton about investing. So yeah, um, it, can, it can seem really complicated, but it doesn't need to be. I think in, in the investing industry, there's, there's a lot of jargon. If you turn on CNBC, you're like, I just, yeah, like what is going on right now? Because you're just, they're just words and some concepts you're not really familiar with. So hopefully to clear the air on some of that. But I thought we'd talk about what investing was for a second, like what actually is the act of investing. Because um, a lot of people take it for granted. You get started off in your 401k and it's automatic for you. It just happens and your parents are like, hey, you should, you should be doing this or your grandparents or whoever. And, um, you know, you just, you kind of go through the, the motions there, but without really thinking about what you're doing. So let's define investing. And okay, great. Investing per investopedia.com, which is actually a great resource for to kind of clear up some of that financial jargon. They put things in, in plain language. Um, investing is the act of committing money or capital to an endeavor, endeavor with the expectation of obtaining an additional income or profit. So in a nutshell, you're, you're giving your money, you're putting your money in, into something with the expectation of receiving a return on it later. So, and that's what you're doing, your 401k, you're taking money from your paycheck to whatever specific investments you, you've selected and expecting then that money will grow and be worth more later on. So that's what, that's investing boiled down, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, I think uh, it'd be important to highlight three concepts for investing that I think are really important to understand when you are investing. Um, so the first one has to do with why investing is so powerful, and that's the con concept of compounding or compound interest. Maybe you heard about it in a finance class or an economics class or something like that years ago, but um, 
compounding is what happens when you reinvest the interest or earnings on an investment back into that investment. So rather than like paying it out to yourself. And it's it's getting a return on your return. Okay. Can we back up a second? Yeah. So when I put my money into an investment, I'm getting like a percentage growth. Yes. From that. Yeah. So then where does where does the compounding part of that come in? Okay. So that's a great question. Let's take an example. So say that you and a friend each invest $10,000 and your investment is going to earn 5% a year for the next 30 years. And at the so at the end of year 1, the investment grows for each of you 5%. So you now have that's a gain of $500, so you now have $10,500. Well, you being a savvy investor, you reinvested those earnings. So let's just say it was an interest payment of $500. You reinvested it back into the original investment when your friend took the money and you know, went on vacation or something like that. So the end of year two, you grow the investment grows another 5% for each of you. But at the end of the period, you have $11,025 while your friend only has 11000 Now, $25 doesn't seem like a big deal right now, obviously, like, all right, whatever, I've, it's $25 difference. But if you were to extrapolate that over 30 years, you would have somewhere in the neighborhood of $42,300, something like that, while your friend, if they were taking out their gains every single year would only have 30,000. Okay. So your the amount invested when you reinvest your earnings compounds. So if I'm putting my money into an investment and I'm earning or like it's growing in interest and mm-hmm. I don't move it. So I just leave it where it is. That's automatically going to be compounded. Right. So right? so long as those earnings are being being reinvested into that original investment. So sometimes like you'll, it depends on the investment obviously, but let's just say you own a bond that pays you 5% a year. Um, Sometimes that is paid out to you in cash. Sometimes, uh, but other times you can reinvest the bond interest. So that amount that you have stays invested okay. if that makes sense yeah, I feel like I'm using the word invested a lot and it gets like confusing <laughs> so <laughs> I'm following okay good so that's the power of compounding and why the power of long-term investing works and that's also the biggest reason why people should start young because you compound your wealth um, over a longer, over a longer period, of period of time exactly yeah. the second concept I'd say is really important for people when they're investing just to be aware of as a concept of risk and return. And so there's this basic premise in markets that the more risk I take on, the greater return potential there is on an investment. So riskier asset classes tend to have a higher expected return, more conservative asset classes, not as much return potential, right? Um, And I think you could think of, it might be helpful to think of risk and return as like a spectrum. So on the left-hand side, you have your low-risk assets, like let's just say cash or something like that, or a CD, bank deposit. Low-risk, low-return assets. And on the, as you move to the right, 
assets get riskier and the potential return gets higher. So you might have like stocks on the far right hand side. And um, so that return is just the potential. I should I should emphasize that. It's just, you know, risk is not does not always equal more return because of what risk is. Risk is the the probability that you will not receive a return on your money or basically that your investment will go to zero. So, um, you know, the, the idea is that you should be compensated, say you invest in a risky asset or you're, you're, you invest in, you know, stocks or whatever, you're taking more risk, so you should be compensated for that if it, if it pans out, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then the final, the final concept for investing I think everyone should be aware of is, is the concept of diversification. And I'm going to steal another Investopedia um, definition. They say diversification is, diversification is a risk management strategy that mixes a wide variety of investments within a portfolio. And so the idea is to lower, overall, lower your overall portfolio risk by adding assets to diversify the portfolio. So when, and not only just like random other assets, but assets that don't behave the same way. So when one is doing well, or one, when one is not doing well and the other is doing well, it kind of smooths the ride out. Um, By assets, do you mean investments? Investments, yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm using those interchangeably, yes. Okay, good to know. Um, yeah, so it's basically just the concept of not putting all your eggs in one basket, spreading out your investments, spreading out the risk. So if one doesn't do well, the other will, and, and balance out the gains and losses over a long period yeah, of time. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So those are kind of the three concepts I think are really important for people to understand when they are investing. I would just add that I mean these are these are truths and constants that I think you know technology changes quickly, changes the world quickly, especially investing and investing. And there's a lot of advice out there. There's a lot of chasing the hot investment topic or or trend or theme. And I think these are just constants that it's helpful to know when, when people are are investing their money. Yeah, instead of following the trends. Yeah, or just the the hot. The next hot thing, like yeah, I mean, you can even think of some of them. I mean, it was tech stocks in the late '90s and early 2000s. It was Bitcoin a couple years ago. <laughs> it was you know this year. It's like last year and this year really. It's been like marijuana stocks and stuff like that. So just keeping a level head and, and knowing that, just keeping in mind these core tenants, these three basic type of concepts, I think are helpful. Yeah. So, so you would say that it's okay to follow these trends as long as you're keeping these three things in mind while you're doing it right well i mean yeah i mean i'm not i'm not um you're not giving advice on i'm not giving advice and i'm not telling anyone that like oh yeah this buy this or that just keep this in mind these are some of the core tenets to a successful investing in that you know when you are assessing an investment opportunity whatever that might be these are the things that you should keep in mind okay good to know yeah so why don't we talk about different types of investments? Yeah, perfect, because I, I was going to ask, as you were talking about some of the different things that you can do, I don't even know what any of them mean, to be honest. Yeah. I don't think you're alone. I think there's a lot of people, <laughs> especially younger people, where you're just like, you know, you hear investments and you should invest and all this stuff, and, and there's so many different types of investments. 
But there are three main types of investment categories, or what we call asset classes. Okay. And they vary, again, by risk and return. So if you remember that risk-return spectrum, the left low risk, lower return, the right higher risk, higher potential return. Mm -hmm. Let's start on the left-hand side. So on the very far left-hand side, you have cash and cash equivalent type investments. So that's kind of the most stable type of category there is, the lowest risk, lowest return. And I'm, by the way, I'm not talking about the cash that you have in your wallet or that, you know, your crazy uncle yeah, has stuffed I'm, under his mattress. I was going to ask what that means because I'm picturing like a dollar bill in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, not not that. Um, well, I'm talking about it can be anything from, you know, cash in your savings account, um, your brokerage account, uh, CDs, or... What are CDs? A certificate of deposit. That's okay. um, something that... I think you can purchase mostly through banks and and basically what it is is it'll have a term on it so like a year or something like that and you basically say hey bank here's my money for a year and they pay you an interest payment on that for oh. like a year okay but your money's usually locked up like for that year so um, a CD or you know the other um, you know kind of cash benchmark is the US Treasury issues really short-term bills, like three-month bills that you can invest in, and they'll pay you interest on that. It's, it's literally like a really short-term loan to the government. So, oh, I've um, never heard of that. Yeah, it's kind of the, 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 the benchmark for cash returns. Um, so cash should be your most, stable, your most stable money. So if you think you'll need that money in the near future, or you know, if you're building an emergency fund, or you you're saving money for a down payment on a house, that's where that money will fall. So you're just talking about, for this first one, basically just having a savings account, or you're talking about investing that money somewhere? I'm talking about, I'm talking about just, it's just an, a type of asset class that's available to, to people. So it is, cash is an investment, it, it can be an investment, and it is an investment decision to hold some cash. Okay. Um, you know, just kind of short-term funds that you don't need right now, but you might need in a few months. Um, so you get a little bit of return on that. Okay. And yeah. so, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so, you know, what kind of return can you expect on your cash? Recently, not much. Interest rates have been really low for, you know, the last 10 years or so. And um, I think from, you know, 2009, to 2018, your return on cash has been something like half a percent, so not really anything to be super excited about, but yeah. you know, it's there for you. So for me, I have a savings account with my bank, and it's mm -hmm. in like a growth account, and it's earning close to what you said, like maybe 1%. Yeah. That is this. That is this, okay. exactly. That's what okay. that is. So um, yeah, there's a, a whole bunch of different types of products. I know that like I'm trying to think, maybe Ally Bank, you know, these online banks that don't have branches or anything like that, they'll pay you a little more on your cash, but that, yeah, that's exactly what we're talking okay. about right now. Okay, understand now. Yeah. Um, so, so that's cash. Okay. And if we move a little bit towards the center on this risk-return spectrum, you have fixed income or bonds. So your bonds are usually more, more stable investments. 
they usually don't go up as much in value, but they pay you interest. And there's different types of bonds. It can be a government bond or a corporate bond, but a bond is literally a loan that an investor is giving to you know, the government or a corporation uh, with the promise of receiving interest payments and your money back at the end of it. So a little, you're taking a little bit more risk than cash and the main difference between like cash and what we would just call like, you know, the general bond market is that first of all, the term is longer. So when you're investing in a bond, it's usually, your money's usually, you're investing for like a year or more and there are bonds that go all the way up to 30 years, some bonds only, you know, two year maturity. Um, so when you say that, do you have to invest for that amount of time? Like, is it a set amount of time that you have to put the, your money into that? So your money's not necessarily locked up. Okay. It's not like, you know, if I buy a, a bond from, like a five-year bond from the U.S. government or something like that, it's not like you can't get your money back in five years. It's okay. just that's, that's the, the time, the time and term of the loan. So... Interest rates, the interest rate that you'll receive is based on that. The return that you'll receive is based on that. And generally, um, the shorter the term of the bond, the lower the interest rate you'll get. So the longer that you invest, you know, if you buy like a 30-year bond, that will yield more than like okay. a 10-year bond or something like that. A little more risk than cash in that you're you're also taking you know a, a little bit of a leap of faith on on the credit like the you're saying if I buy a government bond I'm saying the government is going to be able to pay me back so there's a little bit more risk there now the US government is like probably gonna be able to pay you back so it, <laughs> those are considered like really high quality bond investments but the returns from from you know we'll just take the 10-year government bond um, Going back to 1928, it's been about 4.83% per year. Um, so it's been lower in recent times, just under 2%, but that's, again, because interest rates have been, been so low. So okay. bonds are, just to kind of wrap up bonds, it's, it's your safer money that uh, can kind of serve as a stabilizer to a port investment portfolio. Um, you can earn a, a, some interest on that, uh, and it also can help diversify um, you know, your stock exposure, which we'll talk about next. Okay. So stocks, the, the third investment asset class we'll talk about today. Um, that's on the far right of the, the risk spectrum. So um, those are equity investments, and the stock market is an equity investment. And so just to kind of take a step back, and I think we take the word stock for granted and just, I don't know, define stock. A stock is a form of security that represents ownership in a company. So, you know, when you own a stock, you're a shareholder, and you can share in the profits of that company. Um, and the U.S. stock market is simply a collection of all the stocks listed in the United States um, that are publicly traded. So, that said, in a traditional portfolio, this is the asset class that bears the most risk, but also has given you the most return historically. Uh, you know, most people think of like the Dow when they think of the stock market. Um, you know, we we watch the S and P five hundred just because 
it's an index of 500 stocks and versus you know the Dow is only an index of 30. Um, but uh, you know the compound annual return for the S&P 500 is 9.49 percent since 1928, so significantly higher than than the bonds we were talking about, the cash we were talking about. Um, so it's performed exceptionally well in recent years since the financial crisis in 2009 up until the end of 2018. Um, you've gotten 12.89% return compounded annually. So um, a little bit before historical averages. But like I said, this doesn't come without risk. So all of these numbers that we've I've kind of been throwing out there, these are all averages, right? It's not like a guaranteed like for the stock market, nine and a half percent a year. Um, there's ups and downs. There's been tough years. It depends years. also on which stock you're investing in, correct? It does if we're talking about individual stock investments. I'm kind of talking about, so those numbers, that nine and a half percent, that's for the S&P 500, and that's the broad U.S. stock market. Okay. So all of the stocks that have been in the S&P 500 collectively are that have... Uh, yeah, generated that. So, so like it's an average. It's it's yeah, it's kind of like an average. So okay. the the S and P five hundred index is in itself like a weighted average. So it's an average of that average, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I mean, there have been some tough years though, right? I mean, nineteen thirty one, um, the market was down forty three percent. So if you were invested in the U S market, you lost forty three percent of your money that year. In more recent years, 2009, or I'm sorry, 2008, the market was down something like 38%. So, um, you know, there's no guarantee, obviously. Um, And on average, the market, the U.S. stock market, has a pullback once every year of about 14%, going back to 1980. So, you know, volatility is, is what one should expect in the U.S. stock market. But it's been a great wealth builder for those long-term investors, those that that focus on time in the market versus timing the market. Um, so, and some of that, you know, the return is is composed of dividend payments that companies pay out to shareholders. Um, some companies have like a dividend policy where they will pay out some of their earnings to investors. Um, some of it has been just stocks going up over time. Um, it's been kind of a combination of those two things. Okay. Yeah. So maybe you can't make this recommendation, but like I'm 25 and I right now am at the low end of the spectrum only. I don't have any, in, I don't have any bonds or stocks or any of that stuff. Okay. Would you recommend that I look into it? Like what would you recommend for someone like me? So. So first, I want to know what you're investing for. So are you investing for retirement, or is this just like... Well, I have my 401k. Okay. So I think I'd be looking for a little bit more growth, but I'm not interested in following like the stock market to figure out where my money should be. Right. Is there a good option for someone like me? That's a good question. So because it is emergency fund money, that's that's tricky because you'd want the worst thing that could happen is that you say all right I am really tired of getting one percent I've saw I've seen the stock market do really well over the last ten years 
and um, you know, so I'm going to go all in on the stock market and just take all my emergency funds there. And then, whenever it is, tomorrow, two years, five years down the road, you go, you know, something happens and you need that money, whatever it is, could be yeah. a good thing or a bad thing, and you need that money and you open up your account and you go, oh, holy crap, <laughs> the market's down 50% and I needed this money. Yeah. So that's like the worst thing you know, that can happen for a situation, that type of situation. Um, so for someone that is looking, you know, for someone that has their emergency fund, um, what cash, if? we'd say that you could, you should probably stay more conservative with that. Okay. So yeah. what I'm doing right now is okay. Cause I'm yeah. going to go. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know your total financial no, situation, but okay. like, but let's say that I have some money that I could leave in the yeah. bank basically and move some elsewhere which is probably what I would do yeah I would not move at all okay then what would you recommend so you're contributing to your 401k mm-hmm. and you're investing there um, you're leaving some of this emergency fund money behind so yeah. whatever three six nine twelve months living expenses and you want to invest some of this your time horizon so you're, you're basically making the decision if that you know, this is not money that I'm going to need for, say, what, five years, ten years? Never? I'll never need this money? I probably, I'm anticipating that at some point in my life I will need the money. At some point, but, like, near future. But near so we're future, about, I don't see it. So, Unless I end up, like, buying a house or something. Yeah. But even then, I would, I would be saving more money right. than I am now. So... You would probably want a mix then of stocks and bonds with that money that you took from your savings account to invest. You'd probably want a mix of that. Okay. So something like, you know, 70% stocks and so you could buy like um, what's called an exchange traded fund and it's it's basically something that tracks an index. So you could buy like an S&P 500 aka stock market index ETF, they're really cheap. They trade just like stocks, um, you know, something like 60 or 70% of your money there. And then look to buy, you know, another ETF that tracks a bond index, like okay. the AG. How do you do, where did, what, you can't just like go to the store and buy an investment. You can't. So, <laughs> so what do you do? So there's a number of different things you can do. There's so many different places now um, where you can invest. It's actually never been easier for, uh, you know, someone to invest. So you would go to an online, you could find an online brokerage account. So I'm talking about Fidelity, Charles Schwab, okay. you know, Robinhood. I've looked into Charles Schwab before. Okay. I didn't end up doing it just because I didn't know what I was doing. Like, <laughs> but that's good to know that I was looking in the right place. Yeah, you absolutely were. And you can open up an individual account there. It's really simple. You link your account, your bank account to, this all can all be done electronically. Link your bank account to Charles Schwab. And uh, or Fidelity or whatever, and uh, transfer the money there, and you can trade online. So you can pick your investment. I'm going to buy this, and okay. and buy that many shares, and it happens like that. But then, let's say I do need it. I can't just take the money out, can I? Is there like a? You can just take the money out. Is there like a waiting period or something now? So no. So all the the investments we're talking about right now have what are called daily liquidity. So they're available to you daily. You could buy 
one day and tomorrow go, oh my gosh, I need this money, sell it, and then transfer it back to your bank account. Now there might be, so there's, you know, there's obviously cash settlement times and stuff like that where like it might take a day or two to get back to your bank, but yeah, all this is daily liquid. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'd say it's great that you're even just thinking about that because so many people just they'll just let the cash build up for years and not know what to do with it yeah. or, or care what to do with it. Um, so just the fact that you're even thinking about it at 25 is huge. Yeah. So Great. pat yourself on the back for that. Okay, well. <laughs> um, so anything else that we should know about investing? About the basics of investing, I should say. About the basics of investing. There's so much. What can we talk about? Um, there doesn't have to be anything else. I've learned a lot already. How about, let's talk about some of the pitfalls in investing. Okay, sure. Um, because, I mean, successful investing, we believe, is, is rewarded over, you know, years and months and not, not I'm sorry, years and months. Years and decades, <laughs> not, not years and months. Um, and, and, you know, and not, not days and months. And so I think some people can get a little frustrated when they're not seeing what they were expecting to see. And so um, investing is as, as much as, you know, it, it may have come off as, you know, like a foreign language or, you know, more scientific or data oriented. It's really psychological for the person actually investing. So and that's where these these pitfalls come in, because there's a lot of there been a lot of behavioral studies on like what happens to people when they see their account value go down versus, you know, what happens when they see their account go up, making money in that. So um, I think one of the, the biggest pitfalls and one of, the, one of the most common things that we see is people trying to time the market. So p- literally people saying, I'm going to try to be all in or all out and, and get it right. I'm going to be in when the market's going out, up, and when the market's going down, I'm going to be out. And we don't know anyone that can successfully do this. Um, like no one in the world. Like. It, or there are people that can do it, but it's rare. Yeah, it's really rare. And it's especially, no offense to anyone listening, but it's especially not going to be, um, you know, one of us in our E-Trade accounts, um, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> on your lunch break timing the market. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like a full-time job. It is, Aren't there people yeah. that do that for a living? There are, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, we're talking about the stock market in, in like an investment context, but there are literally people that, that try to trade and, and make money that way. And I'm not saying it can't be done, um, and there are successful traders out there, but, um, you know, you need to make the conscious decision when, you're, when you are investing that, like, okay, I am investing not for tomorrow, I'm not investing for next week, I'm investing for the next... 10 years or 30 years, especially when you're thinking about your 401k. So timing the market's a big pitfall. And here's a pretty interesting stat for you um, and just how tough it is. Uh, If you missed, this is going back to 1999. If you missed the 10 best days in the market, so you were out of of the S&P 500, uh, your return was more than cut in half versus whether if you would have just been Wow. In the whole time. Just 10 days. Yeah. So just 10 days. And what makes that so hard is that six of the best 10 days 
occurred within two weeks of the 10 worst days. So when you, we start to see people panic sell or make overly emotional decisions because the market's going down, um, you know, that's one of the, that can be a sign that the market's getting ready to bottom and take off. So um, just plan to stay invested. That, that's one of the biggest pitfalls. And, and uh, you know, like I said before, time in the market, not timing the market makes successful investing. Uh, you know, another pitfall is, is chasing hot investments, like we mentioned before. Um, and that kind of goes hand in hand with taking on too much risk. So there's always going to be a stock, an asset class, a fund that's doing exceptionally well. And, you know, sometimes people turn on the TV and see the media hyping, hyping these investments and they say, okay, I want in. Um, you're bound to get burned doing that. It's just kind of a, you know, it can create a situation where you're taking on too much risk and it can, it can result in the permanent loss of your money and your portfolio that, that you can't recover. So um, chasing hot investments or fat investments is definitely a pitfall. Um, there's been a lot of studies done to show that, you know, once people start to, once the crowd starts to move in a certain direction, that's when the market does what no one expects them to do or, you know, the type of investment does what they don't expect it to do. Um, you know, another pitfall is taking on too little risk. So being too conservative, and I actually came across some really interesting numbers on millennial investors around this topic. We're really, really, really good at saving money as a that's generation. Inter that's interesting. I know, like, you don't hear that. No. Everyone's like, oh, millennials, we're so irresponsible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, 71%, this is according to a Harris poll, 71% um, of millennial workers are, are saving for retirement, um, which is which is great. The median age that they started saving was 24. So, um, you know, we're, we're good at saving, but we're maybe a little spooked by investing. Um, this is from a Fidelity survey. 42% of millennials are investing conservatively. And, you know, obviously it... It depends on what you're investing for. So, like, you know, we were saying if you were saving for a down payment on a house, yeah, you should be a little more conservative with that money, especially if it's going to be in the next, you know, year or two. But if you're saving for retirement and you're 24 or 25 years old and you're investing for retirement, you're not going to touch this money for 35 or 40 years, you can take on some risk. And, and you probably should take on more risk to, to reap the potential return. So being being overly conservative is definitely a pitfall I'd say okay yeah any other pitfalls is that it um not diversifying is, is definitely a pitfall putting all your eggs in one basket yeah like we mentioned before um you know having investments that are too just too large in a portfolio um not spreading around the risk can be a pitfall and so you know one of the ways that younger people can do this where you, you might be thinking to yourself like well, you just said I don't need bonds in my retirement portfolio because I'm 25 and I have a bunch of time for the stock market to work for me. Um, you know, you can be diversified with an equity as well. You own international, an international fund, international stock fund, a U.S. stock fund, um, and just kind of spread the risk out that way as well. Okay. So. 
thanks for being here. This was almost more information than my brain can <laughs> handle right now. <laughs> I just need to like take a minute to digest all of this yeah. because I want to learn about all of this. It's just, I don't know how besides talking to you. Right. And that's, I mean, that's one of the best ways to learn about it is just, you know, talking to an advisor or talking to, you know, someone that's in the business, but you can, there's also a ton of different resources and blogs out there um, that kind of cover this stuff. Reformed Broker is a really good blog um, to follow on investing musings. Um, a Wealth of Common Sense by Ben Carlson's also another really good blog okay. to follow. Um, Wall Street Journal is always a great resource for investing type things too. So now it's time for the truths and misconceptions. Matt, what are the truths we learned from this? The truths we learned is that investing is the act of committing money or capital to an endeavor with the expectation of obtaining an additional income or profit. And also that you should start investing young because markets have proven over the long term that investing has been a rewarding practice for your finances. Okay. And what are the misconceptions we learned from this? Misconceptions would be that you can time the market. Um, timing the market is, can be very detrimental to a portfolio. You've got to be right twice. You got to be right on being out. You got to be right about getting back in. And that if you get them wrong, it can really uh, hamper your investment returns. Uh, and then another misconception is that trendy investments work. Um, you know, a lot of times we'll see trendy investments get hot and then fizzle out because. Uh, you know the crowd the investments get too crowded too many uh, you know people chasing them and um, you know end up getting burnt in the long term see, see you, you next time, time. Securities Incorporated is a registered broker-dealer and a registered investment advisor, a member of FINRA and SIPC. Haran Wealth and Haran Capital Advisors are both SEC registered investment advisors. The information in this podcast has been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but we cannot assure its accuracy or completeness. Neither the information nor any opinion expressed constitutes a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Any reference to past performance is not to be implied or construed as a guarantee of future results. Market conditions can vary widely over time, and there is always the potential of losing money when investing in securities.